Hello, Belinda. Hi, Omar. What is this week's gratitude blooming theme? It's card number 19, the rhododendron representing prayer. Ooh, this one's a uh, spicy one. Uh, Before we jump into the theme and the illustration, uh, I think we have a new review on our podcast. So thank you um, for listening to our call. Yeah, it's always exciting to see what people are enjoying most about our podcast. So this one is a review that says, this podcast is one of my favorites. Each episode is a chance to sit down with two down-to-earth, thoughtful individuals and listen to them reflect on nature-inspired themes relevant to -to day-to-day life. I particularly like the vulnerability and self-reflection that the podcast invokes. It's rare for a podcast to elicit such vulnerability. Well, we definitely put ourselves out there, so we appreciate the appreciation. And yes, it makes a difference. Please continue to help us make gratitude bloom by liking, reviewing, sharing the podcast. Maybe there's someone in your life who you feel like uh, one of the messages would resonate with. And that's really a lot of what Belinda and I have been exploring is just the practice of resonance. Like, What do we actually feel deeply uh, and acknowledge that and really share that uh, as best we can? So as we look at this card, uh, the rhododendron, Let's start by describing the illustration. Well, this illustration, it's you just see a cluster of flowers forming a dome-like shape. And so that's really just what catches the eye. It's just all these flowers coming together, unifying around this dome, and then the long leaves kind of extending down. And there's no stem, there's no other contexts, but just this one beautiful cluster of flowers. With the word prayer sort of very elegantly handwritten across the top. I held a gratitude circle on Simon Sinek's platform this week, and we got this card, prayer. And I loved how someone described it in the class. He said, this just looks like organized chaos. (laughs) Like all these like petals and leaves, and yet somehow, you know, they're all bound together. And so I just, I love that he saw the sort of complexity of the flower in that it's, it really just has so many petals, I guess, feel like they're sort of bound together uh, in that dome structure that you described. And I just love how they smell. I We don't have any rhododendron on the land in Mount Shasta, But I remember going to the Pacific Crest Trail. So this is a really large trail that goes from literally from Canada to the U.S. to Mexico along the western coast. And this was June, so early summer, and all of the wild rhododendron were blooming at the same time. And so, you know, as we were hiking, the whole trail was just dotted with these beautiful pink flowers and you could just smell their fragrance wherever you walked and it was just felt like this gift from the forest you know here you go here's a flower for you and for you and for you and it it did feel like a prayer from the land (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah I mean it's interesting I hadn't thought about it before but you know obviously prayer is oftentimes used in more religious settings and I think about incense 
Um, and and so I love that you've brought in the the smell of the flower and and how that relates to uh, yeah experiencing it. So uh, you always do such great research each week on some of the back story of the rhododendron. Anything um, jump out at you this week? Yeah, there's a couple really interesting facts. So rhododendron in Greek was referred to as a rose tree. And it's interesting because last week we just talked about the springtime budding rose. Um, and it was referred to that because it, it produces flowers in these shrubs and trusses. And so it resembles uh, the rose. And dendr- so literally in Greek, rhodon is, is rose and dendron is tree. It's interesting how, you know, the namesake kind of stuck just based on what it looked like and smelled like. And I was actually really surprised at how many places in the world this flower has significance. So it's the national flower of Nepal. Hmm. It's the state flower of Washington and West Virginia in the United States. And then there's certain provinces in China and India that actually have it as their provincial flower. So it's interesting how in Asia and in the North America, this flower has been revered by so many people over over time. I wonder what made it such a popular, you know, maybe it's both beautiful and sturdy. I wonder what the symbolism was. Or maybe is it like plant medicine, like we've learned from other plants where people really like to treat it as uh, for their own wellness? What was, I'm curious if that came up. Yeah, well, they grow pretty wildly everywhere because they are so pervasive in in the wild. Uh, Some folks interpret it as a firm, solid kind of steadfast energy or the energy of light and warmth because they tend to be native to kind of sunny habitats. And the irony of the rhododendron is because of the fragrance and its sweetness, it's been used, you know, in India to make wine. Although it is also um, somewhat poisonous. And so, again, it's this interesting paradox of it's sweet, it's fragrant, it can be used for wine and also some healing effects, uh, anti-inflammatory. It's certain types are even hallucinogenic uh, if you have that honey. Um, So the ancient Greeks and Romans, you know, used honey for that. wasn't Wasn't there another flower that we came across that in Turkey, I think, it was a popular flower and they had bees create honey from them and they called it like crazy honey or something like that. And it, and it did have that hallucinogenic quality to it. It's interesting also the fine line between what is something poisonous versus when is it something hallucinogenic and possibly healing? Yeah, it's all, it takes some uh, intentionality uh, when, you know, you're receiving it, I guess. So, yeah, I think part of that intentionality is rooted in the word prayer as well. So it, it comes from uh, old French prière, which means obtained by entreaty, right? And so it's really a request for help. And, you know, I was hosting a conversation with your colleague up in Mount Shasta, Michael Preston, and we were talking about ceremony and crypto. And how do we really infuse these things together? And it, and I think I've shared this story before, but it just, it was, it reminded me of these Native Americans that 
are up in San Francisco and they had just come back from the sun ceremony. And the elder had said, well, we begin every ceremony by asking for help. Because when we ask for help, we invite in the sacred. And this was what Michael Preston was talking to us about. Well, what does healing look like and how do you start? And he's like, well, you you start by listening. And, and so I feel like prayer in this sort of form is this invitation to sort of ask for help and to not sort of presume, you know, the answers. Um, so I really appreciate the openness that prayer uh, as a question invites in a very different way than sometimes it's understood in more religious contexts. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up, Omar, because I remember early on when we were, you know, first piloting the card deck in all of these different communities. And uh, one of the pilots we did was in um, at Berkeley, UC Berkeley, and we were working with students and such a diverse community of students. And one of the student affairs leaders said, hey, you know, hey, we pulled prayer one time in the circle and, you know, it some folks really resonated with it because it, it it's part of their cultural practice. And for others, it felt a little uncomfortable because of the sense of like, you know, religion um, around this word. And maybe you should consider taking this card out of the deck. And I remember having a team discussion about it and and looking through all the themes and we were thinking about you know, if we if we think about these card themes more like virtues, you know, guides for our life, if we took out prayer, would that would that be incomplete? And ultimately, you know, you all are still receiving the card decks with this card, and we're talking about it today. We we felt like, in many ways, this is this higher form of intention and the hope that we're putting into the world. You know, prayer almost feels like when you don't have the answer, when the situation is so much bigger than you, what can you do but just to say, hey, this is my big hope for the world, or this is my big hope for this situation that is so much beyond what I can individually do to resolve. Yeah. And I think it's also, um, I think it's Meister Eckhart who said, if you only say one prayer, make it a thank you. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways. And I think even if the word is uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, and we really encourage folks in the gratitude circles that we host is really listen to that discomfort, right? That that discomfort is actually an invitation. And sometimes it's not even a word that makes people uncomfortable. Sometimes it's just the silence that happens uh, between sort of uh, people's comments and sharing of perspectives. And so, exploring that discomfort and where is it derived from? Like, was it a bad experience? How do you unpack that experience? Is it sort of a, a judgment and, and sort of a writing off of, of a whole sort of set of cultures or institutions? I tend to sort of look at these things as like, well, if they were created by humans, they're all going to be messy. <laughs> Doesn't, you know, we're, we're messy people. And so, you know, it's really hard to sort of write off whole institutions because in some ways, every creation um, that has our hands in it is going to have a little messiness. And so how do we sort of unpack that and be a little bit more discerning as to, you know, where we find good and where we find 
I don't, know, I don't even want to say the word bad, but like, where do we find things that we disagree with? Goes back to that beautiful word. How do we create organized chaos? How do we find harmony in that chaos? <laughs> this has been like a lively week for me because I think I've held the gratitude circle on Simon Sinek's platform. I hosted our DAO stories and Web3 conversations with Michael Preston from your community at Hestia. And I just finished a 90-minute live Twitter space conversation with two NFTs, Lost Boy and uh, Headspace's NFT, no relationship to the app Headspace. And, you know, I just, I'm just really excited about all the conversations that are happening. And in some ways, I feel like some of these traditional institutions and organizations um, that have been set up are really being redefined. And people sort of have now a sense of agency, like, hey, well, what kind of world do we want to live in? And Lost Boy is this great NFT around mental health, but it's also around music. And there was this guy from Africa who was on at the end. He's like, you know, Omar, I really love your voice. And, you know, I can hear the quality of it. And it just struck me in a different way because that's what musicians do. Is they send sort of music as a vibration. And so these words that we use, and so if we have a hang up with a word like prayer, we're actually turning that word into something negative in some ways. The word itself has nothing, right? It's just, how many letters? <laughs> I, should, I, should, I should be able to count really quickly. Um, it's six letters, right? And yet, what is our energy in reading it and receiving it? And how do we actually be more aware of it? I mean, this is in our team retreat this weekend, we talked a lot about resonance. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, the work that we're doing in the world, we're, we came to the place of just heart centered living, you know, and the resonance of that and how that can bring connection and unity and wholeness, which I'm looking at this beautiful flower in the illustration and it feels like it's the embodiment of that. Hmm. Yeah. It does feel full, doesn't it? <laughs> So, you know, maybe that's the great segue is we were up at Arlene Kim Suda, the artist in front of and behind and all around Gratitude Blooming and really hear her story uh, with this word and flower. Here is the story of the prayer card featuring the rhododendron. On the morning of April 27th, 2015, I woke up to the news that a large earthquake had occurred in Nepal. There were thousands of casualties, and it felt so heavy that I decided I would say a prayer and do a meditation by drawing the rhododendron, which is the national flower of Nepal. As I was drawing, I realized for the first time that doing these drawings of flowers felt like a prayer to me. Not just that day, but for all the drawings I had made. There is something about the focused looking and the clearing of the mind, an intent arising from the heart to draw what I see, and then the translation of what I see and intend becoming marks made by a pencil from my hand. It all feels like a prayer. When it comes down to it, doesn't prayer feel that way? There's a heart's intent that is put into words with the hope that it manifests in our lives. When I see this card, 
I always feel the sheer power of prayer in all of those phases, the intent, the will, that ultimately manifests something tangible in our world. And this rhododendron, to me, will always hold the intent to bring comfort to those who are most in need of it. I feel like intention is one of those sticky words as well, where sometimes it's all about intention and what are we really trying to put forward. And then what's the the saying, you know, the road to wherever is filled with good intentions and it's sort of dismissive of, of that idea. And, and, and so, I don't know, I'm then really just struck by what is the perspective that we're holding as we enter into these conversations and these words and, and, and really trying to sort of derive meaning from them. And I'm just appreciating how she just talks about her art as a form of prayer and connection to the to her heart and and her hope for the world and how th- this flower came from this like terrible disaster, you know, and and this is her way of providing healing for that context, knowing that you know there's no way she could single-handedly you know come and to Nepal, go to Nepal and support the people directly. And, and it makes me feel like it's an affirmation in many ways when, you know, we're, we want to do something. And sometimes it means sending that intention from your heart versus, you know, rolling up your sleeves to get into the situation to help. And, and all of that is important and necessary for, for healing. It almost, it's like prayer is when you almost have no more words left. And, and so then it's less about a word and more of an action and a feeling. And in many ways, you know, then it makes sense for Arlene to express herself through art because it's not about a word. It's really about then her expression. And what is that feeling that she's trying to capture and convey that words are not enough? And the timing of this theme this week, you know, we just had our team retreat and the way that we began our time together, just getting quiet and asking gratitude blooming the the thing that we're creating, you know, what is it that, how are we meant to serve this, this work and this mission? And I, I'm so grateful we got the card wholeness because in some ways it, it, it does highlight just the the spirit of of what we want to see in the world. It's almost like our big prayer. Like, can we bring wholeness to individuals, to relationships, to the world? And that's not like a thing you check off your to-do list or even have in your strategic plan and be like, you know, oh, we're done. You know, it's like this mission. Yeah. Well, I always like don't have a mission beyond a mission, right? Like, what does that mean to really practice regularly um, what it is that you want uh, at the highest level? Uh, so for this week's word, I mean, I, given that you knew this sort of complexity of it, what was the prompt that you uh, came to? Card number 19, rhododendron representing prayer. 
take a moment to share your own blessing of gratitude with the world. Well, I have to say I'm, you know, given the challenges that the world is facing right now. And it feels like no one is immune from what is happening in Ukraine with sanctions and everything else now really pulling folks in and there's all this geopoliticalness. So what does it mean to really hold peace um, and to hold compassion and to hold empathy in times of war? You know, there's there can be this like rush to judgment. And, you know, I just, I personally feel moved to really think about, well, in the places and spaces that I'm in, what is the heart feeling that I want to have? And and maybe that's in part like why I've been so active in all these live conversations this week is that it feels like our my own little fierce way of putting out into the world, you know, what I want. And and it it's not going to necessarily stop what's happening on the ground, but in my little corner of the world, can I create the spaces and communities, you know, these places where it's like wellness means we got to be together, right? These practices means that we have to find community that help us sustain our work, right? And whether it's meditation or mindfulness or gratitude, whatever your practice is, we know that it's going to be better when you do it in community. And this was, you know, something I was just talking about that one of the number one predictors of health is not your genetic code, but your zip code. And I don't know if that's just true in Los Angeles or the United States or or globally, but where you're born is a greater indicator of what your health outcomes will be than your own genetic code. And so just really cognizant of how much our public health um, and our mental health is related to our public health. Uh, and, and so we're, we can never escape in some ways. And so how do we really create the communities and spaces to help us create healthier environments uh, for us to live in? And by creating those collective practices, uh, practice spaces, it almost feels like it's a place for those intentions to land somewhere, to be contained, just like those flowers in the rhododendron, you know, in this beautiful dome shape. It like... With that containment and and the coming together of those intentions, it feels like it then amplifies it. You know, it makes me think of our somatic coach who joined us, like you, like you were describing in the team retreat, and he was helping us. You know, we we spent so much time in meditation and just feeling into our emotions and our bodies and our of our intentions. And that that energy and that resonance being, you know, almost more important than, you know, he was saying the technique, the the strategy, uh, because, you know, in that in that way, when we have that kind of harmony, we can accomplish so much more beyond what we could even imagine with our minds, with our with our techniques. <laughs> yeah, it was him saying resonance before technique. You know, it was such a powerful and that there he's actually in a. Uh, technology lab where they're able to like measure this that they can do the exact same thing but depending on their intention and sort of a sort of physical resonance it sort of shaped the outcome you know and i just 
You know, it's funny. I had like a very difficult conversation this morning um, in a business meeting, and I was just like, man, the energy was just off. And so it's just one of those things that like, okay, really coming into these conversations grounded, like in those conversations could be with a partner, with a colleague at work, with, you know, uh, a kid, like it could be someone at the grocery store, like whatever your sort of emotional energetic state is affects then how you're interacting with the environment around you. Um, and so just getting another reminder of the importance of resonance. And I think our clip this week was born out of really us holding space for a community. Um, and it was so, you know, delightful for this word to come up prayer. This is a flower that's beautiful. And at least the way it's depicted, it's not tethered to anything. There's no stem, there's no root. And when I think about gratitude, I was, I was literally just telling this to Melina before we hopped on today. I was like, ah, oh, the state, there's some things that personally just happened, the state of the world, the state of things sometimes at work. I'm like, it feels like a strange time to be leaning into gratitude right now, even though inherently I know this is the time. But it, it's taken me a step back to remind myself gratitude doesn't need to be connected and tethered to anything. It, like, it can stand alone just as, you know, like something to practice regardless of whatever else is happening. It doesn't need to have roots in anything other than like the, the pure love of being grateful um, and sharing blessings uh, with others and yourself. We just had this circle with these teachers and teacher coaches who are working in urban school districts in California. And I mean, I really felt the tiredness that they had and just, you know, many, many days, it seems like they're, they have to muster up all the energy they can physically just to be able to show up for, for their kids and the students and the other teachers that they're supporting and it was beautiful to have this moment where this card came up and and just to be able to like t- like exhale and just be like yes I can be available to this energy of gratitude at any time and it's powerful uh, just the recognition that gratitude is enough you don't need any rational sort of like, oh, well, why should I practice gratitude? It's enough by itself. And and when we are able to embrace gratitude, regardless of the situation, it also reminded me, you know, with the NFT project that we're on the cusp of launching, we've been fortunate to have someone in Germany um, really help us put together a lot of the systems and the technology necessary and when we got, you got to meet him and Arlene got to meet him for the first time this weekend and we asked how he was doing and obviously the war in Ukraine, he was in the Baltic, in Germany on the sort of northern part right off the Baltic Sea on an island and just how close it all felt. And he said that he could like feel it deep in his body, the discomfort. And so for him, this practice of gratitude isn't just like a nice to have. Right. This is like, no, I need to anchor on something right now because everything doesn't feel so good. And so what energy I do have, how do I focus it on something good um, so that, you know, he can be the husband and dad and, you know, person that he wants to be uh, in his life and, and really 
just hit home how important these practices are, no matter the circumstances we're in. We can say like, oh, I only want to do it when things are going well. And like literally feeling almost something existential and realizing like, oh no, this is something I can anchor on. Yeah. It just feels so different when we just take that pause to be grateful. For me, it brings me back to my heart in this moment. Just my mind kind of slows down, takes a little break, and I can just feel my heart. Meditation often leads to mindfulness, but gratitude is about leading people to heartfulness. And, you know, sometimes we forget that. We get stuck in our heads. Even in a meditation or mindfulness space, we get stuck in our heads. And and gratitude and like really feeling it in our body and that and, and the importance of feeling it in our body and that it's somatic work, which means like if you feel um unmoored, you know, that's a real feeling. And so connecting to the body and connecting to nature is really a way for us to feel grounded. Um and that's a somatic sort of practice uh, that we have to feel in our body. So this week, as we do, you help us look at a practice to help focus uh, our intention. And so what do you have for us this week? So for this week, I invite you to plant your prayer. So prayer as a form of a big hope or blessing that you want to send out into the world that's bigger than you and your own life. So take a moment to pause, plant your feet on the ground. This is where you get to make contact with the earth every single day, planting your feet. And what is that big hope, big intention that you have for your family, your community, and the world right now? For me, I I want to plant the energy of peace and harmony. And I want you to imagine sending that intention and that prayer and blessing all the way down through your feet just like you're planting a seed of a flower just sending it down to the earth really feeling that in your body and in your heart as you plant that prayer Just imagine what the world would be like if we all planted these big intentions together down into the earth. May that bring the world that we wish to create at this time into reality. So Omar, what are you planting with your feet in this moment? I'm always struck by the synchronicity of things. So I just changed our Twitter bio and it now says 
drawn from nature plant your values? What is it that we really want to take seed and grow and nurture and recognize that we, you know, we can't control the weather, but we can control what we want to plant, what we want to weed, what we want to water. And more than anything now, I guess I really just feel, what are our values? What is it that we that truly matters? What does it mean for us to have compassion and empathy and and really connect to our humanity and really have that mean something? <sighs> Cheers for that beautiful world that we know is possible in our hearts. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for being part of this journey. It's together. This is a community garden. Yes. Um, that's what we're trying to grow here. We wish you well. We wish you safety. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.